Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of Now We're Talking. I guess this should be a special episode because we're at episode 100, um, and it is in a certain way. I'm going to talk about one of the one of my favorite things to talk about. So, uh, I'm Rob Danish. I'm a professor of communication studies at the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So we've been talking a bunch about persuasion. And we're still going to talk about that in a certain way today, but we're going to shift from talking about interpersonal communication or public communication to intrapersonal communication. I made a couple episodes about this before, um, so I want to I want to return to it. But uh, so obviously, interpersonal communication is communication between two people, um, and then there's small group communication, which is when you've got a group of uh, anywhere from three to thirty. And then there's like public address or public communication, which addresses larger audiences as well. Intrapersonal communication is how you talk to yourself. And we all talk to ourselves. We all have a kind of inner voice or an inner monologue, or sometimes it's inner dialogue. So we have these things that are going on inside of us that we might not explicitly communicate to others, but we know they're going on inside of us. And... Um, we use language to talk to ourselves. Like that's just normal. It's a very kind of habitual thing that we do. Uh, So today I want to talk about intrapersonal communication and the kind of inner voice you use and why the kind of inner voice you use matters and how we can even persuade ourselves depending on the inner voice that we use. So a lot of us have um, what some people call the critical a critical inner voice um and it's a kind of nasty nagging voice that occupies or that kind of directs your intrapersonal communication it's the kind of voice whereby you say to yourself well i can't do anything right today i'm just not any good um i'm never gonna get through this thing today it's too hard for me to do um so just this morning, I, I went running. I haven't gone running in a, in a long time. I got about to four kilometers, and I said to myself, oh, geez, I'm never going to finish this. I just can't do it. Okay, that's the critical inner voice. For many people, it doesn't matter how much you try or how good you do in life at anything. You never can seem good enough to your inner critical voice because that critical voice is almost always there. It's kind of like has a diligence and a resilience to it. Um, so, you know, even if you get out of bed in the morning, and I did this to myself again this morning, like my hair is really long because of the pandemic and I can't get a haircut. So I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I look terrible. Uh, you know, my my hair is a mess. So there's the, the diligent kind of inner critical voice operating again. Sometimes that inner voice can actually keep you from taking on opportunities or trying new things. It can kind of cripple you with self-doubt, or sometimes it can cripple you with apathy. Um, And even if you do achieve something, it can actually devalue what you just achieved internally. So, you know, let's say um, you got a new job and you say to yourself, well, I just got lucky. Uh, Or, you know, if it wasn't for my friend who introduced me to this person, I wouldn't have gotten the job. So there's your critical inner voice kind of diminishing or demeaning your accomplishment. So 
as with all things in this podcast, I often say um, communication is not a matter of did you get it. It's not about transmitting information. It's, it's the question that we should ask is what effect have I had? So the question with the critical inner voice is what effect does it have? When you talk to yourself in these ways, when you tell yourself, I'm never going to pull this off, my hair looks terrible, I just got lucky I didn't really earn this job, what are the effects of those forms of intrapersonal communication? Well, those forms of intrapersonal communication are a primary source of anxiety, worry, and low self-esteem. Those are the effects of the critical inner voice. <clears throat> we become more anxious, we become more worried, and we have a lower sense of self-esteem if we talk to ourselves in this kind of persistent, diligent, critical inner voice. Um, where does it come from? Uh, why do all of us have this, all of us seem to have this kind of negative or critical inner voice? Well, according to some psychologists, the, the critical inner voice is comes from your past. It's formed out of some sort of painful early life experience in which you probably witnessed or experienced some kind of hurtful attitude toward you or toward somebody close to you. And as you grew up, you kind of unconsciously adopted and integrated the, a pattern of destructive thoughts toward others, to, toward your, sorry, not toward others, toward yourself. So you kind of unconsciously adapt a way of communicating that you hear from others and you translate it into this kind of inner voice. And in psychology, when you fail to identify and separate yourself from that kind of inner voice, what happens is that the inner voice impacts our behavior and can shape the direction of our life. So it's powerfully persuasive is what I'm trying to tell you. When you have a, a critical inner voice, that critical inner voice is powerfully persuasive. It impacts your behavior. Um, now, psychologists, and you've seen this kind of, um, you would have seen this on TV, one of my favorite episodes of 30 Rock. 30 Rock's a great show. Uh, Alec Baldwin plays the kind of boss figure on that, and he's at some conference, and he goes into the bathroom to give himself a pep talk before going out to address all the employees of the company. And he accidentally has this microphone on, but like he gets in front of the mirror and he's like, you're the greatest, you're gonna do a terrific job. And, you know, it was funny, but like, I'm sure you've seen people do this before. So you want to have, so people will tell you, okay, you know, if you just have a really positive inner voice, you're going to, it's, it's going to kind of contradict, counteract the poor outcomes from the critical inner voice. Uh, so this was demonstrated in a study with Little League players. So they took a bunch of 10 or 11 year olds uh, who were going to get up to bat in a Little League baseball game. And they had a group of them tell themselves they were going to get a hit and like give themselves the Alec Baldwin kind of pep talk in the mirror before they get off to bat. And then they just told the other kids, do whatever you want. And the kids that gave themselves the pep talk before they got up, they outperformed the kids that didn't do any, didn't have, didn't say anything to themselves. So, you know, there's the one solution has always been, well, you know, you have to replace the inner critic with this more positive, um, affirmative, supportive inner voice. Okay, as a communication scholar, I think that's mostly nonsense. I, I actually don't think you replace or you do a good job of counteracting the effects of your inner critic by just being relentlessly positive because the positive is has contains the same problem as, as the negative, which I'll try and explain in a second. Um, in my view, 
what all of us, all of us would benefit from mastering what I, I call the neutral inner voice. And the neutral inner voice is objective. Um, it's detailed. It's specific. It's calm. It tries to uh, remove emotions from the intrapersonal kind of communication that's happening inside you and replace those emotions with kind of bland descriptions of what's going on. Um, so my my youngest son right now, uh, he struggles with this because he goes from these wild swings to, oh, I'm, you know, it's it's a pandemic, so they're homeschooling now, which is terrible. So he plays too many video games. So he'll go from like, oh, I'm terrible at this video game to I'm the greatest player in the world. And that's his intrapersonal communication, wildly swinging from the inner critical voice to the inner supportive, positive voice. But both are wildly inaccurate and totally false. The game he's referring to, he's not terrible at, he's also not the greatest player at it. And what does it even matter? Why does he even uh, need intrapersonally to make a judgment, a qualitative judgment about himself. So what's going on with the the inner critical voice or the positive critical voice, whichever, the inner positive voice, whichever one, both are making value judgments about yourself. So you're using, you're deploying intrapersonal communication to evaluate some component of your experience of the world. That is troubling intrapersonal communication. And it's it's likely to give you a false picture of the world. And it's likely to kind of, you know, you'll be swinging like my son is from feeling really good about yourself to feeling really terrible about yourself. And neither are terribly conducive to actually building self-confidence or actually effectively navigating the world because they're, they're both false. Um, because the value judgment is what makes it false. So the neutral inner voice escapes or or refuses to engage in evaluative judgments of your experience that you're having. So I try to tell my, my son, okay, well, you're not the worst player in the world this game. You're also not the best player in the world this game. Let's try to objectively and neutrally describe what just happened. So he might say something instead of like, wow, I'm really awesome at this game to... Um, I just finished fifth out of a hundred players, period. You know, I did, this is what I did during that, that game. The game took me 20 minutes. I did, did this, I did that, you know, I was able to follow the map effectively. I was able to survive the first few rounds, you know, so it's a thick description, a thick kind of neutral factual description of what happened. If he does that, then he escapes the cycle of evaluative judgments. And affectively, he's less likely to swing from the polar extremes of feeling really anxious or sad or upset about um, about his performance to feeling overly confident and naively um, superior to his other friends or other people that uh, play a specific game, etc. So he escapes all that. 
by taking the evaluative kind of evaluation out of it. Uh, so I have a friend who's uh, just quit her job, um, and you know it's a toxic work environment. So she really needed to quit, but she didn't have another job lined up. So she said to me after she decided she was going to quit, like, "Oh, I'm never going to get another job." Well, there it is. There's the the critical inner voice uh, performing hyperbole. And uh, so an exaggeration that is evaluative by nature. So actually, she needs to say to herself in a neutral, objective fashion, well, I've had to quit my current job because it's a toxic work environment. Now I'm going to search for other positions. Those other positions probably will suit me better because they won't be a toxic environment. It might take some time. It's a difficult time during the pandemic to look for a new job. So you try to be neutral and descriptive. Um, hyperbole is is kind of the, the central enemy of the neutral inner voice because we, and if you think about the critical inner voice and the overly kind of positive self-talk, both involve hyperbole. Like if you're having a rough time and you think, oh, I can just say to myself, I'm doing great. Okay, well, you're not doing great. It's hyperbole. It's an exaggeration of your state. I mean, you're not doing awful either. So you'd be better off by just saying, okay, I'm feeling somewhat sad right now. This is a difficult time in life. I'm not enjoying my job. It's frustrating to me. Um, I don't have another job on the horizon. So I'm a little nervous about finding a new position. So I'm just neutrally describing in a kind of thick, a substantive way, the circumstances that I find myself in. And if you're able to do that, if if you're able to engage with yourself in with a neutral inner voice, then you can ask the question, okay, what are the effects of a neutral inner voice? Well, in st- they, they prevent anxiety, uh, worry, uh, feelings of sadness, or depression, um, they prevent feelings of low self-esteem. They allow you to make better decisions because you occupy a kind of less emotionally charged space. So if you're not feeling hyper anxious or sad or even wildly enthusiastic or wildly happy, you're in a kind of more sober place where you can make better decisions for yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the the effect of the neutral inner voice is to diminish the kind of poor outcomes uh, that are associated with the critical inner voice or even the overly positive inner voice. Um, and they, they, that means they change the shape of, um, of what and how you respond to the world. So if I'm in a meeting, like a professional meeting, and someone criticizes something I've done. You know, oh, that report you submitted was was not very good. And I think to myself, geez, I'm terrible at writing these reports. I must be the worst employee in this company. Okay, that's the critical inner voice. Um, or if you think to myself, oh, that person's an idiot. I'm the greatest report writer ever. You know, that was a terrific report. Uh, neither of those intrapersonal responses 
positions you very effectively to negotiate those professional circumstances. They're just not good responses. Um, instead, if you have a kind of neutral and objective inner voice, you say to yourself, okay, this person has just criticized this particular report. Um, this person hasn't criticized me before in a meeting setting, so that's new. Um, I hear that they're criticizing point A and point B about the report. You know, perhaps those needed additional details or could have been written more succinctly or whatever it is. So you focus on the details without making judgments about, um, evaluative judgments about the qualities of those details and without jumping to exaggeration or overgeneralization or hyperbole about the criticism itself. So if you're sitting there in this meeting and you're being criticized and you avoid the trap of, of letting your, your critical kind of inner voice um, guide the rest of the conversation by making you feel anxious and worried and less than or, um, or like a bad person or something, and if you just neutrally and objectively uh, describe it to yourself, your response to your colleague is going to be neutral and sober and objective. And you will avoid the potential pitfall of the cycle of emotional reactivity that will go on. So your colleague might actually be quite nervous that they're criticizing you, or they might be intentionally criticizing you because they wanna see blood because they don't like you. Um, in either case, there's a kind of emotional charge to the criticism itself. And by like making sure you maintain that kind of neutral inner frame, uh, you avoid getting in the kind of reactive back and forth cycle with this person you're talking to. And it allows the both of you to actually make a better decision together and be more responsible and responsive to one another. So if you respond, if the neutral inner voice grounds your response to that criticism, then the other person is going to look at you and think, oh, that person is confident and calm. They can handle criticism. So now I, I feel comfortable in saying what I need to say. I'm not going to hide anything. Um, but also, like, you know, they'll think favorably of their, they won't exaggerate their own criticism. So if your response is with the critical or the overly positive inner voice, if you're like, no, this person's nuts, all my reports are great. And your response is like emotionally reactive and like, that can't be true. My report is awesome. Well, the other person is going to look for all the ways in which it's not awesome and all the ways in which your performance in other areas are not awesome. So, and that's obviously going to be easy to do because you have this overinflated sense of yourself. Um, so the, the neutral inner voice kind of avoids that emotionally reactive back and forth that can happen from those circumstances. And instead, it places both of you, both people in, involved in that conversation, in a kind of good, sober-minded, objective, reasonable space to decide to make a decision together and to move forward together in, in a way that everyone would benefit from. Uh, so the neutral inner voice is enormously important. I, I mean, I think the last thing I want to say about it too also is that like hyperbolic, uh, overly exaggerated inner voices are the, the source of many psychological disorders. Um, it doesn't mean that if we have a critical inner voice that we have a psychological disorder. It just means that that critical inner voice is a kind of gateway to this sort of disrupted vision of the world that makes it hard to function effectively 
in professional and interpersonal settings. So I always look out for people with really neutral inner voices that, that don't um, beat up themselves, beat themselves up too much, that don't get over overly kind of inflated sense of themselves because they're really easy to work with. They're like good people to have around. It feels good to be around them. Um, they're trustworthy. Uh, they represent and they possess many of the good communication skills that we've talked about in this podcast. So if you can master the neutral inner voice, and that involves really making the transition to catching when you hear the, your critical inner voice, and when you hear your intrapersonal communication engaging in hyperbole or overgeneralization or extreme exaggeration, and kind of replacing that with just neutral thick descriptions of what's going on. Like, okay, I'm feeling angry right now, or I'm frustrated. I am, you know, losing my job. It's hard to find another job. Instead of, this is the end of the world. I'm the worst person. No one's ever gonna employ it. Give me a job again, etc. So you have to find out a way to make a transition from that critical inner voice or the overly positive inner voice to a more neutral inner voice. People who are good at communication have a neutral inner voice. And that intrapersonal communication grounds a lot of their other communicative practices. It means that their other communicative practices won't be marked by or conditioned by extreme levels of anxiety or emotional reactivity. Um, so it avoids that kind of emotional reactivity. Anyway, that's it for episode 100. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll proceed to episode 101 shortly. Thanks. <laughs>